When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Well, come on. All right, Bears Nation podcast coming at you, coming right back at you. We are putting out another episode. This time it is myself, Jake Hassan, with Kevin Lapka, who seems to be the only consistent member of this podcast over the last month or so. (laughs) But nevertheless, he's available. We appreciate him greatly. And we're here to give you some more content, give it to you right in your face hole. Kevin, how are you? Doing well. Excited to talk some Bears football. Obviously, we know we had that first preseason game and a lot of other things to talk about, so I'm excited to get after it today. Let's go, Bears fans. What do we say? Sure, absolutely. So let's get right into it. First news of the day, Emmanuel Hall, undrafted free agent out of Mizzou. Bears signed him immediately after the draft. A wide receiver was somewhat of a position of strength, but you can always add raw talent, have someone to bring in to push guys. Um, Hall had a lot of raw talent, as I said. It was a guy who the Bears were high on, thought he could possibly make the roster. Um, but for me, this isn't really a totally surprising move. No matter how much raw talent you have, it's all about staying on the field. And that was a concern with Emmanuel Hall. And he just couldn't do it. He couldn't stay on the field. He had injury issues that bugged him throughout minicamp, throughout rookie camp, and now into training camp in the preseason. And at the end of the day, no matter how much talent you have, if you can't stay on the field, you're going to get cut. Matt Nagy said it was a numbers game, and I completely agree, uh, especially given the strong camp that Javon Wims has had. But, Kevin, Emmanuel Hall released. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there really is a lot of things that go into it. Number one, again, you're not really tied down to any undrafted free agent. There's a reason that they were undrafted. There's a reason Mm -hmm. you got them for cheap and you just acquired them. And there were people around the league, and it's still people who say Emmanuel Hall was a steal. People were surprised by the fact he didn't even get drafted. So people liked that signing. But, again, this is, like you know, as much as it seems, this is a pretty crowded wide receiver room. You know, you got Javon Wims, you got Riley Ridley, who I think ultimately, I really do think ultimately is going to kind of be down. It's, you know, it's either Riley Ridley or Emmanuel Hall, and they just decide to go with the direction of Riley Ridley. And, uh, you know, the question is, would Emmanuel Hall have that had had much of an impact, right? You, you know, you got uh, Anthony Miller, you got Allen Robinson, you got Taylor Gabriel, you throw Emmanuel Hall in there, does he really have a huge impact on the team? Maybe in the future, but not necessarily in 2019. I think that's what you have to ask yourself. Right. I, and I think it's kind of like you said, undrafted for a reason. When you spend a draft pick on someone, in this case, Riley Ridley, uh, Hall would have had to have an incredible right. blow you away preseason. And he stumbled out of the gate with all these different injuries. So that was just never seemingly going to happen. And thus he gets cut. Wish him the best of luck. I believe he got picked up by Tampa Bay. Oh, already? Yeah, I I believe I saw that the Tampa Bay picked him up already. Best of luck to him. Um, 
the, at the end of the day, though, even without the injuries, this was a crowded Bears room. Javon Wims has had a great camp, a great preseason. Riley Ridley has seemed like he's impressed everyone. So Hall was already behind when it came to securing a roster spot. Yeah, I mean, there are a few videos out there, a few notices that it was like, okay, Emmanuel Hall, you know, he's doing work. I was at Bears Family Fest, and I took a video myself of him catching a nice ball in the end zone. But again, it was never really enough where if you're a guy like that, you know, you got to show, you know, you got to show your keep there in that room. And he just, you know, he was good. He was solid. And that's why I think he's going to have an opportunity with the Buccaneers. But again, as an undrafted free agent, you really got to show out. And I think he didn't do just enough to be a guy who they wanted to retain long term. And again, there were people out there who actually criticized this move. I wouldn't go as far to criticize it. Again, undrafted free agent. I know people think it's still, even if he ends up being good, there's just not room with him. And I think that just shows what pace is going to do going forward with the wide receiver room. I don't think he wants to carry that many guys. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it is what it is, right? It's not a guy who we were expecting to put up a thousand yards. You know what I mean? Right. And on the flip side of that, so let's move on to that. I mean, we already mentioned Javon Wims and Riley Ridley, guys who were drafted. Wims was a guy who was preseason, or not, it is preseason, who was yeah. in the offseason claimed as on the bubble by other people in the media. And, you know, you get that. He was a seventh-round pick. Didn't play a ton last year, um, but this is good news for him. A guy who was a seventh-round pick, again, when you're a seventh-round pick, not really expected to do much and not really expected to make a roster out, out of the gate, let alone in years two or three when there are other draft picks pushing you. So good news for him. Apparently, he's had a really strong, really strong camp, and he's kind of turning into someone who maybe you might have something there, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I know Chris Nano was high on him. Uh, from the beginning and he did have two catches for 15 yards in the game against Carolina Um, so getting him more involved it's interesting Uh, and I would like to see what he can do Javon Wims uh, seventh round former seventh well he not former he was still a seventh round pick Mm -hmm. but you know starting to get a little more run here yeah and I think again I've been very complimentary of Javon Wims and I think Mm -hmm. we really need him to be good for this this you know this offense to to make a leap and again we there's a video I put on Bears Twitter that has over 120,000 views of a beautiful dime ball from Trubisky to Javon Wims and I think that's what they're gonna be looking for I mean they've been throwing deep balls him all the time and I think it it seems to be from what we've seen at training camp, what we've seen from these you know beginning offseason workouts, there seems to be kind of a good connection between Trubisky and Javon Wims, which I think is the most important thing. If there's a connection between them, Trubisky's comfortable to throw to him, then there's no reason why he shouldn't be an impact player. And you're probably looking at around 500, 600 you know yards for Javon Wims there, which is extremely productive for a guy who's a late round draft pick, like you mentioned. I mean, if you're getting that many yards in his second year, um, for a guy who didn't even play at all, really. Um, in 2018, 2019, I, th- I think that'd be exceptional. So I think it's only the beginning here for Javon Wims. But, you know, he didn't really do – I don't think – I don't know how many passes he caught in that preseason game. I'm not exactly sure. But we're going to have to see a little bit more from going forward. And I know we'll talk about that preseason game. But obviously, we know, he was pretty much the MVP of the preseason last year. And, you know, he seems to be a candidate for MVP of uh, of training camp is what people are saying as well. So good things to hear that Javon Wims – uh, Javon Wims, rather, is is progressing the way that people thought he would. Well, it's also helpful because if Wims continues to progress this way, and to answer your question, he had two catches in the game against Carolina okay. on three yeah. targets. So to, to keep going with that theme, if Wims becomes reliable or even just continues to take steps and show something, that allows you as the Bears to 
let Anthony Miller have some more time to, in his recovery. And, you know, if, if Wim mm-hmm. starts to emerge as this third or fourth receiver as a guy you can trust, then that's huge for the offense because, you know, Anthony Miller is going to be your two or three receiver behind Allen Robinson and or Taylor Gabriel. And so you need to have Miller. But if Wims is performing, you can allow Miller more time to rest, more time to have him fully recover because he did have surgery on that shoulder. Yeah. So you let him fully recover from that. When he's ready, let him come back and let Wims do his thing. And then once Miller is ready, you have four, five, maybe even six legitimate receiving options between your receivers and tight ends once you're really in the thick of the season. You bring up a really good point there about injuries because, as we know, Anthony Miller actually just went out with a sprained ankle. And it seems to me that they're optimistic that he's going to come back for week one. But in the event that he doesn't, you know, everyone, pretty much anyone who's played sports in life has dealt with a sprained ankle. They come and go. They're kind of, they're annoying. And he may not be full go 100% even if he is uh, capable to play week one. So, like you mentioned there, to have Javon Wims there would be really nice to give Anthony Miller rest. Don't put too much pressure on him. You know, people are expecting Anthony Miller to have a great year, and I think he will. But for these early games, while he's dealing with injury, uh, that sprained ankle, and even that shoulder like you mentioned, uh, if you could have a guy like Javon Wims to come out there out of the gates week one and be an impact player is huge. So that's the other thing, too. Is I guess that's the question we have to ask as well. Is Javon Wims capable of being a guy who can make an impact week one out of the gates? Or is a guy, do you think, okay, maybe as we go on week six, seven, eight, you know, he gets a few targets week one, a few more week two, and then he heats up four, five, six once he gets more comfortable in the offense against um, – against a really, you know, starting defense because all he's pretty much seen is is second and 13 defenses from preseason. So I think that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Is Javon Wims a guy who we think can come out the gate and be a potential, you know, gamer in the weeks one through three? I mean, you could even see him take, like, the Anthony Miller path to being a contributor. I mean, Anthony Miller was kind of yeah. his usage started started a little lower in week one and started to just go up and up and up until eventually he was a big red zone target for Trubisky. Yeah. And then by the time the end of the season came, even in, you know, regular situations, especially crunch situations, not just red zone, Miller was a, a target there. And we know Wims is a big <clears throat> athletic guy, and yeah. he's already seeming to build this chemistry with Mitch Trubisky. I think we might see that type of progression too. As long as he just keeps taking these steps forward and showing you these flashes, I think we're going to see quite a bit more of Javon Wims than we originally thought this season. Yeah, I mean, let's hope. Let's hope. For all those reasons, as we mentioned, let, let's hope that Javon Wims really is is a big impact player. Yeah, and I mean, that takes us to our second story of the week, and it does involve Javon Wims. I mean, he's also kind of like that feisty guy. He's willing to you yeah. know, go out there, go to battle. He gets in Prince of Mukamara's face this week at practice, throws a couple punches, the always heralded throw a punch against a football helmet <laughs> strategy. Um, you know, not sure, not going to comment on that. But, I mean, Nagy said that he sat both of them down, talked to them, they talked it out, and that there was an apology, which was good. He said... And then they just went about their business. Nothing else happened. They let it go. They put it to the wayside. And that was it. That was the end of it. So uh, I think this says things about both of those guys and about Amukamara and Wims. And then I think it says something about Nagy, too. So let's – I mean, we've talked enough about Wims. I think my end note on that would just be that he shows that he's a feisty guy. He's willing to go to battle. He wants this spot. He wants to be involved. Um, and I think that that's something you want to see in your receivers, especially a guy who's fighting for more playing time. 
Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're talking about Javon Wims going against a starting corner. I mean, he wants to show, he wants to prove it against a guy like Prince of Mukamura. But I honestly will say I was pretty pissed off to hear about this because apparently, I mean, anytime you throw a punch in a helmet, you know, yeah. it's like you're punching a brick. You don't want him to break a, I think they were doing x-rays to make sure he didn't fracture a finger. And I was like, oh my God, you know, is he going to be injured? I was like, what the hell is going on? But I, you know, it is a testament to the the way Nagy coaches. Again, like you said, the way that, it's a testament to the culture as well. We talk about culture every podcast and I know and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, the way that both players are able to bounce back from that, you know, you know, shake hands, be done with it. Team moves on. Team is OK. I think that's really important. But I do want to mention, I was just checking Barry's Twitter. This is very recent news. as about 20 minutes ago. There was another fight today with uh, Kyle Long and rookie. I, I don't even know the guy's name, but a different rookie. And apparently, like, Kyle Long threw his helmet at the guy. And, and that was a big thing. And he didn't return to practice. So I thought I'd just let you know about that. Because that is literally just breaking news as of 20 minutes ago. Um, Nagy said he was a little bit more disappointed about that fight. That seemed to be more of an issue. We know Kyle Long is, yeah, I won't say he's a hothead. But he has, you know, more of a, you know, nerve to get into, you know, chippy fights like that. Because that's just who he is. He's a very chippy player. But hopefully it's the same kind of thing. It happens. Move on. Shake hands culture you know you know it's all good and it's all swell so let's hope but i just thought i'd let you know about that yeah that's interesting i didn't know that i know long got into a bit of an argument with akeem hicks earlier this week too oh this really? seems to be this seems to be his second one in two weeks but uh this tweet from jason Lizer of the sun times uh he said it was Kyle Long, veteran, obviously on the offensive line, he got into this little heated argument with rookie defensive end Jalen Dalton, took Dalton's helmet, started hitting Dalton with his own helmet, and then threw it the length of the field, pulled from practice, as you said. And then he, this is the in- most interesting plot twist of this story. There's another little bit here. Uh, Lizer says, at the end, after Long was pulled to the side, he puked a couple times on the sideline. Whoa! So, <laughs> not... Not beer- entirely sure what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, like okay, I don't, I don't know. Why was he throwing up? What? I mean, I don't really uh, get yeah. that. That's interesting. Um, was before practice? Maybe I don't know, but I, I that that's a little. I, I understand kind of both of those with Kyle Long because Kyle Long, Akeem Hicks, two of the fiercest competitors I think we've seen on the Bears in quite some time. Uh, I think for sure in the last five or six years. Um, so I kind of get them getting in each other's faces and, you know, just being that competitive, trying to f- maybe fire each other up like that. Right. Um, as far as Kyle Long going after a rookie, there is something to be said for that, I think, too. And the fact of Kyle Long maybe trying to push the rookies a little more, trying to be that leader, trying to, you know, keep things intense, make sure no one's slacking off. Um, the Again, the puking is a weird, weird part of that story, um, you weird. know, but... I mean, hot days in Chicago, who knows what was going on, but I kind of get that. Obviously, um, as long as no punches, I I don't, I've never minded guys getting in each other's faces and kind of jawing at each other. As long as, you know, no punches, nobody gets injured, um, which is fine. I mean, whims, obviously, again, we don't recommend punching a football helmet to anybody, but again, (laughs) Nagy took care of that. But the other part of that story that I want to talk about was Nagy being able to settle that within seemingly immediately after the incident within 15, 20 minutes, being able to return everyone back to practice. I think, I mean, you kind of mentioned it, the culture, blah, blah, blah. We talk about all the time, but I mean, for Nagy to be able to do that, get an apology out of one guy, everyone turns to practice business as usual. That says a lot about a second year head coach, especially. Yeah. I think it it, it is. 
is important to note that there was not a single fight throughout training camp. This technically, the fight between Prince Mukamura and Javon Williams and the fight between Kyle Long and I believe the rookie's name is uh, Jalen Dalton. That was all, those were all fights that occurred, um, you know, you know, with no fans there, you know, personal practice. And I think that goes to show that, you know, they really wanted to, you know, show the kind of team they were to the fans out on the field. And not like it should be any different between a personal practice and between a practice where the fans are there. But, you know, it just goes to show. um, But it is worth noting that those two things happen after training camp is over in, you know, closed quarter, you know, personal practices. But nonetheless, like you mentioned, good for Nagy to dissolve it. Uh, If I had to guess, the whole situation, I'm assuming it's a rookie who is trying to, again, same thing as Javon Williams, trying to show that he belongs here. I mean, this is a guy, you know, to be honest, I've never heard of him. So, yeah. you know, this is a guy where it's like, you, you, you know, does he really going to make the roster? Is he not? He wants to go up against, you know, our number one offensive lineman. He wants to show who he is, and right. he probably got too chippy. And obviously we know Kyle Long is a bit of a hothead, and that's how it resulted in, I'm sure. Kyle Long, you know, will give him a handshake and be fine tomorrow. And good for Nagy for dissolving it the way he did. And that's yeah. the end of it. Yeah, and I think that's also part of I, I think everyone's kind of on that wavelength. I, I haven't seen or heard any real panic about any of these altercations, fights um, in Bears camp and Bears preseason practices, um, which I, I think, again, says a lot about the Bears. I think panic level is at a firm zero. I mean, there's no reason to be worried or panicked about any of these. Um, they're, they're nothing. They're, like you said, they're going to they're going to shake hands and they're going to get over it and that'll be the end of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, moving on then um, the topic of Nagy. Let's bring Mitch Trubisky into it. As you know, we always got to talk about the development of an, our new quarterback, not new quarterback, but our young quarterback in this system that he's still learning. And let's talk about it. He said earlier this week that the playbook for the offense is far more expansive, far bigger. They have a lot more plays, a lot more that they're going to work with this year, as well as those bread and butter plays, the ones that Trubisky's already comfortable with, already executing with almost 100% accuracy. Um, I think this is a great sign, and this is something we expected. What do you take from this? Um, well, I just also want to mention there was a report from this guy NFL Network guy, Tom Pulisero, and he was saying, uh, he was talking about Trubisky and Nagy and kind of a press conference they had. He was saying Trubisky is way ahead of where he was last year regarding coverages, mm-hmm. reading blitzes, et cetera, which I think is, you know, allows them to open up the playbook, right? I mean, that obviously makes sense. Second year, you kind of get the gist of it. You can open it up a little bit. And I think that's, that is the main thing of what you mean why when you say the playbook is a little bit bigger, right? You know, he, he has a better understanding of what's going on. He has a better under, understanding of the connection between his receivers. And now we can say this, take it to the next level and it's kind of crazy because we obviously know the dynamic of how dynamic Matt Nagy is with his play calling the absurd plays that he runs whether it's you know a a throw from Tariq Cohen to Anthony Miller to to take the game to overtime against New York whether it's the throw uh, from Mitchell Dubisky to offensive line Bradley Sowell obviously there's a million examples you can make so for opposing defenses to hear that Matt Nagy's opening the playbook a little bit it's kind of scary because you never know what this guy is going to throw to you whether it's an RPO whether it's a trick play whether it's you know whether it's anything um, and especially adding Dave Montgomery to that mix is really really mm-hmm. interesting so I do like to hear that the playbook is opening and I think it's good for Trubisky and it's a sign 
that he is progressing. Um, there were a lot of doubts about Trubisky before. You know, I, everyone is talking about this report from this guy that I just mentioned. There was a whole bunch of doubts about him. Everyone wants to say this, but you know, all some people hear this report, and there's a little bit more optimism uh, here, and I and I think that's huge. And I think again, it comes down to him just being a smarter player, making that uh, progression, the development that we expected, and that you know, translating to him being more capable of doing more things on the field because he, he knows what to do. He has a better understanding of what to do. No, absolutely. I agree with everything you said there that this is a good thing. This is a scary thing for opponents because, I mean, how many plays did we see last year where Tariq Cohen was throwing the ball or there was a sweep or a double re- or a reverse or two with involving Allen Robinson or even Anthony Miller or some screen plays with Taylor Gabriel, some trickery that we saw last year. And like you mentioned, Bradley Sell, who's not a tight end, who can get involved even more than he was on the offensive line when he was an offensive lineman and getting in some trick plays. And I didn't even mention when Akeem Hicks is running the ball or when you know Charles Leno is split out wide. <laughs> the fact that they're expanding on this and adding even more of this, I think that's awesome. And I think that pairs really well, really nicely, because you have the factor of the playbook expanding, Mitch Trubisky taking another step forward, and Allen Robinson being fully healthy now another year removed from that ACL injury from that knee injury I think those three factors when you put them all together that makes for a really really dangerous offense for the Bears and then a fourth factor in that David Montgomery having what we think is going to be a solid well-rounded running game now this year too yeah I mean again I know this is you know, I know you love to say, and you said this multiple times, that last year's running game, or rather the the personnel that was on the field, was very predictable. When you saw Jordan Howard on the field, pretty much everyone in the league is aware that he cannot catch the football. I've been hearing reports out of Eagles camp that he can't catch the football uh, in training camp over there in Philadelphia. Everyone knew when he was on the field, it was most likely going to be a run. You know what I mean? Now you add Dave Montgomery in here, and there's so many more possibilities. There's so many other ways to trick the defense here because of his capability to catch the pass um, out of the backfield. So I think that's a huge component. It, it, it's more there should be more emphasis emphasis on it than there is. There's there's not a lot of people talking about the fact you know there's people talking about the fact that he's going to be good. He's going to run well. He's going to run better than Jordan Howard. La la Whatever that may be, people aren't talking about the fact that it's going to surprise the defense even more. And again. We I've said this before too. I've said this on different podcasts. I said it's contribute it contributed to maybe some of the struggles that Trubisky had last year because again defenses read it. They say Tariq Cohen's on the field. You know let, let's move our scheme into a pass read scheme and let's easily you know make that read. Whereas now you have David Montgomery. You have an, the defense can't easily predict. It's like on Madden, right? You can click L1 and you can choose whether they're going to run up the middle or, or, or choose pass. You can just do that on Madden. I'm, that's what defenses <laughs> were doing against the Bears. They were saying Jordan Howard on the field, L1, let's do run up the middle. You know, <laughs> Tariq Cohen on the field, L1, it's a pass play. It, it's like that. Now you got Dave Montgomery, different dynamic. You have no idea. And that just completely opens up the playbook. And again, you know, the capabilities of him in the passing game. There's so many different plays you can run now uh, with Dave Montgomery as the pass catcher rather than it, than it just being Tariq Cohen. So I, I think it's really awesome, and I think people need to understand that Dave Montgomery being in this system and his ability to catch the pass is just going to open things up even more and more. Yeah, and I, I think that's a really good point about the running game opening up, being more dynamic. I mean, David Montgomery in the preseason game against Carolina – he had three catches for 30 yards. He had yeah. one catch for 23 yards of the long. I mean, this guy is dynamic. Like you said, he's explosive. He can make stuff happen. He is just more, and it seems like he has more of a of a 
a little bit of a gear higher than Jordan Howard as far as being able to outrun guys and outseparate guys. Yeah. And then there's the fact you just can't tackle the man. I mean, we saw it on display against Carolina. It takes two or three guys to bring him down. He does not mm-hmm. go down on first contact. So I'm really excited to see David Montgomery in action coming this Friday against the Giants, which we'll get to, and then for the rest of the season as well. Yeah, totally agree. Let's, let's keep it moving then. Let's keep going here. We need to talk about, speaking of which, speaking of Trubisky and the offense, Bears wide receiver coach mentioned earlier this week that he sees Taylor Gabriel, even though Allen Robinson's the number one and they paid him a lot of money, Bears wide receiver coach sees Taylor Gabriel as a 60 to 75 catch guy. Gabriel set his career high with 61 catches this past year. We think, and you know, Taylor Gabriel has been that deep threat. He's been this guy who can make different, different catches. You can put him wherever you want, but what do you think of this? Do you think Taylor Gabriel could be that 70 catch guy that kind of more of a number one than a number two? I mean, is I love Taylor Gabriel. I really do. I love him as a player. I think he's a really, really good asset to this team as much as I think uh, highly of him. I don't know if 75 is a likely number for him just because, again, you're looking at, you're looking at Taylor Gabriel mostly as a guy who's going to catch a ball off of a screen, a short slant, or a deep ball. You're not really looking for much else than that out of him. And again, you know, we want to talk. We talked about earlier, right? It's, it's a crowded wide receiver room. You know, there's only one football, and you got Anthony Miller on the field. You got Tariq Cohen on the field. You got Dave Montgomery. You got Allen Robinson. Is it really likely uh, Taylor Gabriel is going to get the ball 75 times in an offense that loves to spread the football around? Probably not. That being said, I mean, I'm not bashing Taylor Gabriel. Again, I love him as a player, and he's going to be an extremely important asset to this team. Again, I mean, the, the number of plays this dude made last year. I mean, I just love going back watching his highlight reel of him making, the, you know, that diving catch against the Dolphins, one of my favorite plays yeah. of the year, and that one uh, other diving catch against the Vikings as well, one of my other favorite plays of the year. But, again, with one football, with as many uh, targets in the receiving game as there is in this offense, I don't likely see him getting up to 60 to 75, but I do like him, or rather that wide receiver coach, saying that he is capable of doing that. You always love to hear a guy say that he is capable of doing that. You know, putting his limit or putting his ceiling at 75 is good to hear. He's not a guy who's going to get 100 receptions. Obviously, you're not going to do that. But to say that he's capable of doing that, uh, especially a guy who's getting older, a guy who's a veteran, is really good to hear. Um, Whether I think it's tangible, no, but it's still good to hear as, as a fan. Yeah, I think what you need to take from this, if you're a listener, if you had read this earlier, oh, I guess you have to be a listener if you're hearing this, but (laughs) the point being that you don't need to take away from this that, oh, we should expect 65-plus catches from Taylor Gabriel now. That's not what I I think this statement is saying at all. I think it's kind of more in the vein you were saying, Kevin, that that speaks more to his talent level and that he could be that guy maybe somewhere else on a team that – does focus on one player. Like, I think, you know, like take the Giants, for example. Right now, they only have Evan Ingram, really, and maybe Sterling Shepard. You put Taylor Gabriel on the Giants, he's the number one. Maybe then he's a 70-plus catch guy. Yeah. But on the Bears, like you said, this is a team that's going to spread it around. Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller when he comes back. Javon Wims now, maybe. Adam Shaheen, if he's healthy. On and on and on. The list grows forever. I mean, you could throw anyone else you want in there. Um, boy, being Taylor Gabriel's talent level is that of a number one, is I think what the wide receiver coach was trying to say. 
his talent level is that of a 75 catch guy. And like you said, your two favorite plays, the deep catches against the Vikings and Dolphins, that talent comes out and it comes out on those deep routes and it comes out when he's shifty on the screen plays and so on and so forth. So, you know, and to hear your coach, I mean, Taylor Gabriel, obviously he's going to hear these comments too. Maybe he listens to the show. Taylor Gabriel, probably well-known listener, Bears Nation podcast. Hit us up. What's up? Anyway. He's, yeah. he's, he takes that to heart and he's like, hey, my coaches believe in me. And, you know, I'm sure his teammates would back him up on that. Like, yeah, dude, you'd be a number one anywhere else. And we're lucky to have you. And we're happy to have you as our number two, really, our 1B even. You know, if Allen Robinson's 1A, Taylor Gabriel, I would go as far to say as 1B on this roster. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. If there's one word I like to do is I like to describe people with one word. If I had to describe Taylor Gabriel with one word, it would be the word reliable. Um, he's old reliable. I mean, people, people don't really talk about this. This dude has one of the best hands in the game. I mean, he's got one of the lowest drop rates in the league. Um, if you're throwing the ball to Taylor Gabriel, odds are he's going to catch it. I know he's a small target, so it's hard to throw the ball to him, but if you throw it in anywhere within a five foot radius of his body, he's getting the damn ball. All right. He's a reliable guy. And of course we know, uh, the asset that he brings with his speed, um, which is huge, but you know, it's always nice to have a guy like that. If you're a quarterback where you can just, you know, obviously. Obviously, those balls that Trubisky threw to him um, in those specific plays that I mentioned, Vikings and Dolphins games, absolute dime balls. But, you know, tremendous catches. You, you kind of just throw it up there, make a good pass. Taylor Gabriel's going to go out there, extend, and catch it. And that's a guy that a quarterback loves to have. And I, I think he's going to be a huge asset. And there's so much you can do with him. Again, with his speed, with his deep threat ability, you know, whether it's a wildcat or an end around, there's so much you can do with him. I love his versatility on the offense. And again, a guy I didn't even mention too is Cordero Patterson. So that just adds another guy who's going to catch the football. So no 75 catches. I completely forgot huge, about him. Huge, huge player, huge, huge year, um, big impact player, Taylor Gabriel. I completely forgot about Cordero Patterson. I mean, yeah, you know, and quite frankently, what, I, I think there's a, a actually him, a lot of people are forgetting about him. And I think opposing teams are forgetting about him, especially from the run game. Um, people forget like, uh, with the Patriots, and I know Bill Belichick is a genius. They did a lot of really, really cool things with Cordero as a running uh, as a running back, and I think that's going to be something to note as well. <clears throat> Sorry, is his um his impact uh, in the running game. So I think that is something to be keep an eye on. But yeah, Cordero Patterson, definitely a guy who's being slept on uh, as far as the offensive side of the football because we all know of his special team capabilities, but people aren't talking about him as a wide receiver threat, as a running back threat. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I, 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 like I said, I forgot about him. So he's going to be one of those weapons for sure. Um, let's keep it moving then here. Let's get into some injury updates. We mentioned him earlier. Anthony Miller, as Kevin said, Sprained ankle. He rode a stationary bike in practice. Nagy said he was doing well, progressing well. Um, haven't heard much on the shoulder, which I suppose is a good sign. We haven't heard much on it in a while. So as long as Miller comes back from that sprained ankle, I think, Kevin, you mentioned it earlier, it seems like he'll be back in week one. And this is a guy you need. This is a guy who, like I, I mentioned earlier, was reliable in the red zone and the end zone for you. Yep. I mean, how much of a factor would he be in week one if you have him fully healthy? So you're asking me that question, how much of a factor? Yeah, I mean, how much How much do the Bears, how much would he boost the Bears? I mean, if you have him in there as your number three, number two. Yeah, I mean, Anthony Moe is a guy who provides a ton of value. Um, the, you know, as far as injury goes, again, I said this earlier, sprained ankle, it's pretty easy to treat. I actually saw, frick, I forget who tweeted it. I, I don't know if it was Chad Ochocinco. Somebody on Twitter tweeted they used to soak their legs in uh, warm urine. 
to it help was Ochocinco. Fix... Yep, you're right. It was Ochocinco. Yep. Yeah. So he tweeted that. So all I'm saying is, Anthony Miller, if you're listening to the damn podcast, put your feet in some damn warm urine right now, so we can get you <laughs> back for the Packers game because I think he's going to be a big impact player again. His biggest impact coming in the red zone. Um, not the Bears were really not the greatest red zone team in 2018. So uh, anytime you can get a guy like that to be there, um, especially with like we mentioned, Javon Wims, even if he's out there, he's a guy who's playing his one of his first NFL games against you know the Green Bay Packers in one of the biggest games of the last decade. Um, even if Riley Ridley's out there, same thing. Rookie, late round draft pick. One of the biggest games of the last decade. We know Allen Robinson's reliable. We don't even know about Trey Burton. I, I have no clue about Trey Burton. Adam Shaheen, we really have no clue. So you, I, I think, to answer your question, big factor, I, we need Anthony Miller back. And, and put those feet in some damn urine because we're going to need him uh, for the Packers in, in, this, in this game one. Yeah, and that's two other guys that you just mentioned that I wanted to bring up with this kind of little injury report we're doing. Trey Burton and Adam Shaheen. Uh, Burton, obviously recovering from groin surgery, uh, recovering from offseason groin injury uh, that kept him out of the Eagles game and still seems to be progressing slowly, seems to be kind of coming along at his own pace. We'll see. Obviously, we need him. He was kind of a security blanket for Trubisky. And when he got those happy feet, when he got kind of rattled and having Burton out there over the middle as a as that safety blanket, as that as that lock kind of you, you need them and it would be great for Trubisky's confidence especially if you have him for week one yeah I 100% agree uh, you know this whole Trey Burton thing it I don't know dude I, I really have no idea I mean there's been people on radio shows people you know all over you know no one really knows there's really been no talk about him either you know no one is coming out of training camp saying you know Trey Burton's been doing work. Trey Burton's back on the field making plays. Like no one really knows, but I know um, Sheenine had a nice one-handed catch, I believe, about a few weeks ago. I saw that circulating on Twitter. So I think it's going to be important for him to get back on the field. You know, earlier in training camp, Adam Shaheen was a guy that I kind of put on my on the bubble list. I mean, you have a guy like that. I know he's a second-round pick, but injury-prone. You know, you 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 turn Bradley Sowell into a tight end. How much space is there for Adam Shaheen if he can't stay on the field? But hopefully, you know, this is the end of his ailments, and and let's hope that one-handed catch is a glimpse of the future here for Adam Shaheen. But, you know, people forget, again, Trey Burton wasn't out there for uh, that game against the Eagles, and it really, you know, that you know that could have been a deciding factor in the game, and people don't really sure. talk about it that much. I mean, everyone was talking about it the minute they ruled Trey Burton was out there. Like, all right, people, you know, they're going to target Trey. Drake Cohen um, out, uh, out off pass game, and it's going to be a huge problem. And it turned out to be a huge problem. So I think that's something that, you know, people have to keep their eye on going here as we get about, I don't know, three weeks, three, four weeks, uh, three weeks, I think, actually, um, away from week one is Trey Burton's health. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest storylines here as we go forward. Yeah, Trey Burton being healthy is going to be the biggest storyline. And like you said, it has seemed kind of hidden almost that it hasn't gotten a lot of talk so that's something to keep an eye on and Shaheen I mean the pressure is going to be on he's got to stay healthy I still have faith in him just because he is a huge athletic guy but you know Ian Bunting he's a tight end too he's fighting for a roster spot he had 77 yards on three catches against the Panthers and one of them was a 45 yard catch so Shaheen's got to stay healthy he's got to keep making those one-handed grabs as well as the the routine plays if he wants to stay on this roster and, and be a contributor 100%. All right, keeping it moving then. Uh, We talked a little bit about the Carolina game, uh, and we'll talk about the upcoming Giants game that's on Friday. 
Obviously, a lot of the starters didn't play first game of the preseason. Saw a lot of Chase Daniel, saw a lot of Tyler Bray. Um, didn't see any of Allen Robinson, Khalil Mack, Taylor Gabriel, Eddie Jackson, so on and so forth, those type of guys. Um, Kevin, who stood out to you in the Panthers game? You know, this is kind of an easy answer. I'm sure everyone's going with the same answer, and it's obviously going to be our first, or, you know, our first draft pick, not first round. Um, David Montgomery, obviously. Scores a touchdown in this game. You saw a glimpse of what we're going to see all season of Dave Montgomery. People are getting amped up about this kid. We saw the versatility. We saw his ability to truck people. It's going to take more than one people to bring this guy down, as you mentioned. We saw the touchdown, which obviously got people hyped. I mean, this is a guy who played like a quarter and put up a pretty ridiculous stat line. I think a total of 60 yards and a touchdown. I mean, if you're a fantasy fan, target Dave Montgomery because this is a guy who's going to make it happen. But um, another guy, obviously, since uh, Dave Montgomery is kind of the storyline, I want to go with quick, uh, Nick Kwiatkowski, kind of at the negative side, though, because we talked about this. I don't even know. I think it was a few podcasts ago. We said, all right, Kwiatkowski here, or it was pretty much between Kwiatkowski and Iggy, right? And we're like, all right, who's really mm-hmm. going to come out of this camp? And I think there's a lot of people after this first preseason game who are saying Kwiatkowski's going to, you know, they're kind of cut the leash on him. And I think... Uh, the main reason was, I don't know if you know, whoever watched this game could notice, he is extremely slow in the past game. He's one of the reasons, I will go out there and say, I, you know, I love him as a player. I really do. I will never bash. I, I never want to bash on any Bears player. But I do think his ability to stop the pass game in that Packers game uh, week one of last year, I think was a huge issue and one of the big reasons mm-hmm. that they were allowed to come back in that game. And it was uh, evident again in this preseason game against the Panthers with a second-team offense out there. So I think you're going to see Iggy get a little bit more reps and, and maybe take that spot from Kwiatkowski because of his ability to obviously you know, be a stout run defender, but also his speed in the passing game. We know Kwiatkowski lacks speed. Very evident there against the Panthers, and I just thought I'd bring that up because that is a big storyline as you go forward here about the depth of the linebackers. So I'm going to go with Iggy over Kwiatkowski, but that's one guy who stood out to me in that game. What about you? Yeah, um, mine's Roquan Smith, our, yep. the our, the eighth overall pick from the draft before this past one. He was awesome. Uh, you saw the speed on display. You saw the athleticism on display. He had a sack. He had a tackle for a loss, and he had a QB hit. He was everywhere. He was as advertised. I think Roquan Smith is in for a huge year. Uh, I think he's really going to establish himself as the franchise linebacker, the next top talent linebacker of the storied Bears linebacker history. And I think he's really going to be a big, big piece of this Bears team going forward. Ooh, bold prediction, bold prediction. I see you out here. <laughs> all like, right, let, go ahead. I mean, I, I don't blame you. I mean, I'll just be quick with that. I don't blame you at all. I mean, seeing, I think the one thing that jumps out to you is the speed. I mean, anyone who yeah. saw that sack, I've watched it about a million times now on replay. I mean, the speed is just ridiculous on this guy. I mean, you saw him go after Kyle Allen there. It was just like a flash. I mean, how many how many linebackers have that kind of speed? And obviously, that's the one thing that we know um, about Roquan Smith is his speed. And I think... What the biggest thing was, too, that I didn't even just completely forgot about, let me mention this real quick, was it showed that Chuck Pagano is going to do this a lot. He's going to yep. send Roquan Smith to the quarterback. And you need a guy who's going to be quick when you're sending the linebacker to the quarterback. So I think that's a huge thing to do. But also, you know, seeing that just showed a little glimpse of what you're going to see from defensive schemes from Chuck Pagano. We obviously know he's a guy who likes to send the blitz, and I think you're going to see a lot of that as evident in game one here against the Panthers. Absolutely. And that brings us to... Our final note from this week, this past week, we got to talk about it up until it gets resolved. It's always going to be 
the main story. We have to talk about the kickers. We have to talk about the kickers. We'll start with the game against the Panthers. Elliot Fry was great. Nailed both of his kicks. One a field goal from 43, of course, and the other one being an extra point. Eddie Pinheiro didn't have any extra points, but did have two field goal attempts. Missed one of them. Hit his from 23. Obviously, you can't take all that much from just this small amount of kicks they had in the game, game situation. Uh, Ron Rivera did help them out a little bit. He did uh, ice one of them uh, the, on one of the kicks just to give the Bears that game situation because he knows they're trying to figure it out and figure out what who they're going to go with. Um, you know, I, I don't think this game gave either one of them an edge just because of the way the practices have been going. Because... This week in practice, each of Fry and Pinheiro had a doink in practice, and they both went six for eight and on the last day of practice. So it, it seems like neither of them is really gaining the edge. It seems like I mean, nobody's really distinguishing themselves in this kicker battle. Yeah, and I, I 100% agree. And I'm just going to go – well, first I'll just say I was at that game against the Panthers – uh, at Soldier Field, I've never seen a crowd so amped up for a preseason field goal. <laughs> just absolutely ridiculous. And and so let down when Nate Pinheiro missed it. I mean, the whole crowd was devastated. People were like, oh, my God, not this again. And then, obviously, it's quite storybook, the Elliott Fry kick, because, obviously, we know 43 yards, you know, don't remind us. And then, obviously, the north side of the end zone, the same exact spot in the same – you know, it's the same exact spot um, as – Cody Parker's missed field goal against the Eagles. So I think that was actually kind of storybook, but it was great that he nailed it. But like you mentioned, you just obviously mentioned, you know, the ups and downs, the iffiness, you know, no consistency. And I think that's why I'm going to make a bold prediction here. Neither of them are going to be on the roster here week one. It's not going to be either of them. If it was going to be either of them, it would have had to be one that's been extremely consistent. Obviously, it seems like this. This is what it seems like. Eddie Pinheiro, great in, great in practice, bad in the game. Elliot Fry. Not as great as Pinheiro in practice, better in the game. And that's where you can't have that. You can't have that. You can't have the inconsistency here. So I think this is the this is the time. You know, this is the time, Pace, where you just say, you know what? You know, screw it. Get rid of Pinheiro. Get rid of Fry. Bring in Matt Bryant. Bring in an established guy. You know, we obviously know they missed out on, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, Kair Vedvik, uh, that kicker from the Ravens yeah. who was gaining a lot of buzz. And obviously he went for a fifth-round pick. So I understand why Pace didn't want to make the move for that because you don't want to give up two draft picks to two kickers in the same year. But, again, the inconsistency is at the point where it doesn't seem, unless one of them goes, you know, 10 for 10 in the next three, that may be, you know, you know our kicker. But I just don't see it happening. I see Pace saying, screw it. Let's go out here. Let's get a guy who is established. Let's get a guy who we know can make kicks. Um, and for me, that guy's Matt Bryant, and that's just my prediction. But it, it, the inconsistency is concerning. No, I absolutely agree with that. And I, I agree that I think both these guys are going to be gone. Um, this is kind of a flip from what I had been preaching all offseason, all minicamp, all every camp, all OTAs, everything. Um, I kept saying that I thought Pace was just going to stick with both these guys because we made it this far with both of them and a decision hadn't been made. Um, so I thought Pace was going to stick with both of them, one or both. I don't think that anymore. I think they're, you know, you're hearing so much about all these other guys and other camps that are doing so well. Who the Bears saw the other night with from the Panthers, Joey yeah. Sly, three for three along a 55, two for two on his extra points. 
I think that maybe piqued their interest. He was right in front of them, someone to watch. Uh, so I think maybe we'll hear a little bit more about him now. Uh, then there's who the Vikings brought in Vivek for, for to compete with, Dan Bailey. He reportedly had a perfect day at Vikings camp uh, yeah. and went seven for seven or something on his kicks. And so you would think that the Vikings, if they had to cut one of Bailey or Vedvik, it would be Bailey just because it's easier to let go of money than a uh, draft pick, uh, especially if Vedvik impresses them. Um, another person would be uh, Colts preseason kicker Cole Hedlund. Ed Vinatieri is obviously not going anywhere. So this Hedlund kid is probably someone who will end up getting waived in the last week of preseason when Vinatieri is ready to ramp back up and get ready for the regular season. Uh, he was three for three in the Colts first preseason game. So there's options out there. We'll see what happens. I do think that the bears will go in a different direction. Maybe Matt Bryant too. Yeah. Um, but I don't think Fry or Pinero are going to be the guy either. The, and the reason why I say Matt Bryant is because again, like I mentioned from the Vedvik situation, you never really want to see a, a GM spend two draft picks on, you know, two kickers in the same year you obviously know you spent the seventh which is kind of a meh you know it's a seventh it is what it is but even then you know you don't want to just give up draft capital um you know for two kickers but it's almost where you know almost to contradict myself it's almost at the point where it's like you you might just have to you know you might right. just have to send it or whatever is what, is what people will say because there it isn't resolved and we know the capabilities of this team you know screw the future screw your 2020 draft pick let's let, let's do it now um and well, I, you're running out of time too. Exactly, you're running out of time, and that's the, that's the other thing too. You know, any guy that you're you're trading for likely is a guy where you you know even if you go even if you are Vedvik, even if you are Vedvik and you do well in camp and you do well in the games, is he 100% proven? I'm not 100% sure. That's why I, I, that's why I keep bringing a Mad Bryant. He's the only guy really out there on the market who can make clutch kicks, whether it's the playoffs, whether it's the dang Super Bowl, whether it's you know game winning kicks, and that's why I say it, it's a safe bet. No one else that you bring in is a safe bet, and that's why. You know, that's what worries me is, you know, it's not safe. Am I comfortable with Pinheiro, Fry, even Vedvik? Am I comfortable with any of those guys to, to kick the game-winning field goal uh, in the first round of playoffs against the Eagles? Not really. If they brought Man Bryant in, my opinion would change. I would say yes. Um, and I'm sure there's other guys out there. I know a lot of you guys, those guys that you mentioned are, you know, are good players. But those are still guys, like I said, that, that need to be proven. And I think that's where the issue comes into play here three weeks away from week one. Yeah, and I think, obviously— uh, on Friday, we're going to see another battle between these kickers against the Giants. We're going to get another shot to look at these guys. So let's look ahead to that Giants game. Um, I'm still expecting we're going to see most of the starters out. Um, Trubisky was active for the Carolina game. Didn't throw a single pass, obviously. But, yeah. I mean, to you, do you think that trend continues? Because there's a lot of people that are speculating that Trubisky won't throw a single pass this preseason. Um, I don't think it'll be that extreme, but... What are your thoughts? Do you think we see any of the key players, any of the really stars of the Bears in this upcoming game against the Giants? Yeah, we'll start with Trubisky. Nagy said, uh, I believe in that press conference press conference with that guy I mentioned, Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. He said uh, Nagy would be comfortable if Mitch Trubisky didn't throw a pass in the preseason, which is very right. enlightening to hear if you're a Bears fan. 
Although he said those words, I don't think it'll happen. If everyone was wondering why he was in the game uh, in week one of the preseason, I would assume it's kind of to get the snap down with James Daniels. As we, mm-hmm. as we know, new center coming in here, you want to get that exchange right and you know just give him the ball to Dave Montgomery, Mike Davis, whoever it may be. But nonetheless, I think Trubisky needs reps. I, I, you know, it, 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 Matt Nagy may be comfortable with it. As a Bears fan, I'm not completely comfortable with him going in dry in here against the Packers. So I think you'll see him throw the ball. And he'll get one drive in games two and three. I think that's all they'll give him. Matt Nagy, as we saw last year, is a guy who doesn't want to work out his players in the preseason. Um, that was kind of a big storyline last year. There was controversy. There's people like, I don't know if I agree with that. Obviously, Khalil Mack will never play a single snap in the preseason. That's just the most ridiculous <laughs> thing ever. Eddie Jackson shouldn't play a snap. Um, you know, haha, played a snap last week. You know, your all pros won't play a snap is really, I guess, what I'm trying to say. But everyone else should should be getting some reps in these two second and third games. I actually, I very much agree with you. Trubisky needs the reps, he, especially with that chemistry factor, with the new offensive line, with the snap with James Daniels, uh, with the chemistry even on the handoffs with Montgomery and Davis. I think that would be a good thing to get down. Um, so I guess it, if he doesn't throw a pass, technically, I'd be okay with it. Um, but yeah. he does need to get those reps as far as chemistry with the offensive line and the new running backs. And like you said, Cleo Mack probably not going to see the field this preseason. We saw last year. He doesn't need it. Yeah, he don't need it. <laughs> he, he don't need he it. Does, <laughs> he doesn't need it. He'll be fine. Um, I do think we maybe see a little bit of Kyle Fuller, a little bit of Prince of yeah. Mucumara, but uh, I, I think out of the secondary, the guy we're going to see the most is probably Haha. Again, yeah. it's going to be a chemistry thing. He needs to be a, get comfortable. He needs to get comfortable with Chuck Pagano, especially because HaHa yeah. did miss time earlier in this offseason. So he's kind of got to gain a little bit of ground. But I think yeah. he's probably the one we're going to see the most. Um, and I feel like Akeem Hicks is going to worm his way in there just because he wants to be in there and he wants to be in the trenches. <laughs> yeah, he, I'm sure he's dying to get in there. And Matt Nagy's like, no, you cannot get in there. We can't afford an injury, but I'm sure he's inching to get in. I mean, that dude is just inching to get in gameplay whenever he can. Uh, real quick, I wanted to mention one thing. Uh, back to that. Back to that first game against the Panthers, a guy who really impressed me was Dion Bush. Um, yeah. Back when we had that podcast with Nicholas Moreno, we were talking about, uh, you know, Haha being on the PUP list, and we were a little bit worried about them. We were talking about the backups, and it was, you know, is it Houston Carson? Is it Bush? Obviously, the clear answer here is Dion Bush. He had an interception. He had some really, really nice plays. Uh, so a huge day. You know, I, I'm getting more comfortable um, in the event of an injury with Dion Bush as the backup. And I also want to bring up Duke Shelley. Uh, he, had, he was okay in coverage, but his tackling was exceptional. Uh, really yep. good to see um, for the Duke Shelley fans. I still think screen will be the starter, but really good to see from Shelley. Um, and then quickly, one last thing here about uh, expectations against the Giants. Don't, don't expect a ton out of it but expect what i think you should be expecting is or what you should be looking for rather i think what you should be looking for is chuck pagano's scheme we saw it mm-hmm. against the panthers a little bit and people who are you know there's a ton of bears fans out there who are worried obviously the worried that vic fangio left the worried that the defense going to regress which i i think is an outlandish statement but if you are one of those people who are worrying and you're listening to this podcast here before the game against the giants just watch what he does watch the schemes that he um that he puts in there watch the plays that he runs we obviously know uh with that roquan smith blitz that was a little glimpse what will he do with Hawk Clinton Dix as well? Um, I think those will be important things to watch. Uh, if you're a guy who's sitting there in the fourth quarter watching third stringers, you don't really give a crap. That's something to look for uh, here in game two. Absolutely agree with all of those points. 
Uh, I'll just comment on your comments about Deion Bush and Duke Shelley. Yeah. Really gives you a lot of confidence in the depth. Uh, Bush, two tackles, two pass defense, and also that interception. Shelley, with the he had four solo tackles. He was pretty good. Yeah. Again, coverage was okay, but you'll take it. Um, so I like what I saw from them. And then old friend Roy Robertson-Harris had himself a nice little yeah. game too. So, yeah, totally. Um, and then, like you said, the results don't matter. It's the preseason. Look at the scheme. Look at the chemistry. Those things matter. Let's focus totally. on that. Totally. I 100%. All right. All right, man. This has been a good, action-packed podcast. Got to a lot of different points. Kevin, as always, thank you for being so available, the only consistent <laughs> member of this podcast currently. I promise you we will get the whole team, all four of us, in here once the regular season gets closer, definitely by week one. But – Thank you to all our listeners, as always. Make sure to leave us a comment, what you like, what you didn't like. Mostly what you like, though. That would be more helpful to our self-esteem. What you don't like would be more helpful for future results. Um, Leave your ratings and engage with us on Twitter. Obviously, at Bears Nation Shy, at Bears Nation Podcast, Kevin Lapka and Jake Sign. You can find us on those pages pretty consistently. But for now, until next time, thank you for listening and bear down. Yes, sir. Bear down.